Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There's no offseason. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside. I'm currently looking at the Bay Bridge. I'm standing in San Francisco, California. I'm on the Embarcadero, the AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants, is right around the corner. I'm in between the Bay Bridge and the Ferry Building in San Francisco. And the Bay Bridge, which connects the city of San Francisco, home of the Giants, and the city of Oakland, home of the A's. Uh, It's an absolutely beautiful day here. Uh, July 31st is when I'm recording this. And I am on, I'm on the Embarcadero. I'm about to go to uh, meet someone and I have some time to kill. And I figure I'm here, I'm by the pier, looking at this, the bridge. And, and I, you know, I love San Francisco. I really do. If I had the money, I would live in San Francisco. If I, if I won the lottery, you know, they had the uh, Mega Millions recently, which was half a billion dollars. And if I had won that, do you know what? Your pal Sully's living in San Francisco. Here's the problem. That's the only financial plan I have that could have me afford to live in San Francisco is to win Mega Millions. So I'm going to continue playing Mega Millions, hit, and when that happens, I'll take that half a billion dollars and get a one-bedroom apartment in Russian Hill because that's all I'd be able to afford. Man, beautiful day here. And look, it. there's a lot to talk about, and I'm not going to cover it all here. My last podcast I did was about Poppy Kramer and, and, and losing a dear friend, and I, I, I quite frankly, uh, I'm not ready to talk about my thoughts on the, the Astros trade of Os- for Osuna, which is a, dis- a disgrace, and a lot of people have been asking me to say something about, you know, unearthing tweets and the, you know, underlying racism and everything. I, I, I will talk about that. I'm not shy to address issues. But today's the trade deadline day. Today is the day where all the trades are made. Or they have to be, you know, you have to make your deals now in order to not have the, uh, you have a player go through waivers. Now, the, the big honking trade happened a few weeks ago with the deal of Machado from Baltimore to Los Angeles. And there have been other deals. The Red Sox have picked up a few players. You know, Ian Kinsler they picked up because they know Pedroia is going to be hurt. And I look at that deal and like, all right, fine. I mean, it doesn't get me thrilled, but like, all right. It gives them, they have depth in their infield now, especially since Devers is hurt. I get it. You know, you want Holt and you want Nunez and, you know, they have a deep infield now. Okay, fine. Uh, they picked up uh, Iovaldi from Tampa and Iovaldi looked tremendous his first start. The Yankees picked up Jay Happ, who looked great his first start. I would be nervous if I were the Yankees because I, I, I mean, I know Jay Happ made the All Star team and he's a solid pitcher. You know, he has his ups and he has his downs. Um, the Yankees got Britain. The Yankees uh, got Lance Lynn, uh, and the Indians made a very smart move. I thought they should have. You know, I thought they were going to make a move for Adam Jones, but it looked like Adam Jones said, no, I want to stay in Baltimore. And so they wound up training for a, a Leonis Martin, which, is, which was a smart move. Uh, I think one of the most inspirational things that happened is the fact that the Pittsburgh Pirates 
you know, made the deal with Texas to bolster their bullpen, and they acquired Chris Archer, who is having a down year, but is obviously a talented pitcher and is in team control. So if you're a Pirate fan, you should take a look at this deal and say, hey, look it, the Pirates are a team that is within striking distance of a postseason spot this year. You know, it, I mean, they are not the odds-on favorite to make the postseason this year, but they have a winning record. And in terms of the wild card hunt, which is an absolute free-for-all, they are only three games back in the loss column right now of a playoff spot. And they've improved their bullpen, and they've improved their rotation. And they can hit. And none of the teams that they're chasing to get that wild card spot is exactly going to win 110 games. So I appeared on the, the podcast Baseball PhD, and when, uh, Ed, the host of the show, asked me, what team do I think could benefit the most from the trade deadline? And I said the two teams I thought could benefit the most would be the Oakland A's and the Pittsburgh Pirates for the reason that a good, solid trade deadline for one of those two teams could be the difference between the playoffs or not going to the playoffs. That could be the, you know, if you're, the, the way the National League is all bunched together... You could make a solid deal and, you know, one or two games. A deal could be the difference of one win or two wins. Could be the difference between playing in October and having a season that all your fans forget. And so the fact that the Pirates made this deal, knowing that, you know, who, who, who are they chasing right now? I mean, they're chasing Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a streaky team. They're chasing Arizona. They're a streaky team. They're chasing Atlanta and Colorado. Neither one of those teams are powerhouses. They're all talented teams. And then they're there. And they're half a game ahead of St. Louis. And a game right now, as I'm recording this, a game ahead of San Francisco. And five and a half games, you know, a couple games in front of Washington. They're all bunched together. The only teams that are not contending right now are, are Cincinnati, the Mets, the Marlins and the Padres, and by by mean the only teams in the National League not contending. So that's a refreshing thing if you're a Pirate fan to see that the front office is saying, hey, we're having a much better year than we thought we were going to have. And they shed the payroll, they shed the, the commitments of McCutcheon and of Cole. I mean, Cole is having a, a fantastic season in Houston. McCutcheon's having a you know, a not great year, you know, an okay year here in San Francisco. But to say, hey, look it, we're putting together a winning team, and we have a kind of winning team that said, we're going to be good next year too. That's a reason to go to PNC Park. And it would not stun me. Now, as I said right now, they have to leapfrog a few teams, but none of those teams are juggernauts. It would not be stunning if the Pirates were a wildcard team. And the way the National League is set up now, that's all you got to do. If you're a wildcard team, there is no team that makes me think, wow, this team is unstoppable. Now, I say that with, a, with one tiny caveat. With, the, with Los Angeles getting Dozier, and they, they now have an up the middle of Dozier and Machado. They inserted an all-star middle infield. And it's... The, the amount of power they've inserted into that lineup is staggering. The amount of runs that team is going to score is tremendous. And when you consider how awful the Dodgers started the season, I think the fact that they are having, 
you know, they kind of have to be considered the team to beat right now. I mean, they are in first, but they don't have the best record in the National League. That still belongs to the Cubs. And the Dodgers are certainly vulnerable. This is not the hundred and some odd win team that they had last year. But they are still a good team. They're in first place. They've improved themselves a lot, at least in terms of their lineup. And they're going to score with anyone. And if they go into these last couple of months with good pitching with that offense, then they're probably going to be the team to beat. But they are also... They are not unstoppable. I don't think there's any one team in the National League that you could look at and say, like, well, they're, they're the unstoppable team. I, right now, if I were a betting man, I would say Los Angeles is going to go back to the World Series. But all it takes is one bad game or one team going on a roll. And next thing you know, we're looking up. And there's a possibility that the Pirates could be in the World Series. Imagine if Chris Archer treats this like a wake-up call. Like he's having a, you know, uh, a not great season in Tampa Bay. He says, oh man, I got dealt. And then all of a sudden things click. And all of a sudden the change of scenery is there. He's not playing in the trap. He's playing outdoors. He's playing in a new league that doesn't know him. It's a fresh start. It's hitting the, it's hitting the you know, the proverbial reset. And something like that could click and make a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates go on a roll for two months. You're not asking the Pirates to be a juggernaut for 162 games. You're asking them to be a damn good team for two months. And if they're a damn good team for two months, then you're just asking a couple other teams to be mediocre. And next thing you know, we've got ourselves a Pirates October. Now, one of the pitfalls that will happen is that you know when people do analysis for this trade deadline is that people are going to say winners, they're going to say losers. You know, this team had the best, this team had the worst. But a lot of times a team will trade for a player and when they go to the new team, they're a dud. They wet the bed. I remember when the Red Sox acquired Eric Gagne uh, from the Rangers during the 2007 pennant run. And they already had Papelbon, who was an all-star. They had Okajima in the bullpen, who was an all-star. I said, man, we have Papelbon, Okajima, and Gagne. This is going to be the most dominant bullpen of all time. And Gagne was terrible. Now, the Red Sox won the World Series anyway. But, you know, Gagne was a mop-up man by the time the postseason ran around. And there was one year where lots of trades were made, lots of moves were made, big deals, big people moving around. And the player who made the biggest impact that October was Marco Scudero. It was Marco Scudero in an under-the-radar deal that the Giants made to plug in a hole in their infield. And Scudero became the MVP of the League Championship Series and got big hit after big hit in the World Series. And when the Giants finally won the World Series that year in 2012, their second in three years... Scudero was the story. He was the hero. The guy who spent most of the season in Colorado in, in obscurity joined the Giants and became that spark plug that you couldn't believe. So it's difficult. I mean, uh, last year, the, the big question is which one of the, the free agent, uh, the, the, not the free agent, the big ace pitchers is going to make the biggest impact. Was it going to be Darvish or was it going to be Verlander? 
And Darvish was kind of a non-factor. In fact, was terrible in the World Series. Probably cost the Dodgers the World Series. It's difficult to put your finger sometimes on who is going to be the big, you know, the big, huge honking move. It's sometimes not as easy to predict. But as I'm here, I sort of, I have to look up and say, I, I, I don't understand a couple of things. And right now the Mets and the Nationals are playing. And the Mets are losing 7 nothing in the first inning. The Nationals went on a, a big run where they scored seven runs in the first inning. And Bryce Harper is still on the team. Now, the Nationals are within striking distance of, you know, they, they are within, if they have a really good August, they could pull themselves into contention, certainly for a wild card spot. They're not dead. They're five and a half games out of a wild card spot. And in terms of the division title, which everyone, including your pal Sully, thought was going to be a cakewalk for them, they're five and a half games out of that, which is not impossible. But if they win today, then they're going into August a 500 team, the definition of mediocrity. And they lost Steven Strasburg to the disabled list. And I don't think they're going to make up that five and a half games. I don't think they're strong enough to. And they didn't improve themselves. Some of the teams around themselves improved themselves. You know, Duval being dealt to the uh, Braves was a huge move. The teams that they would be chasing, and the Pirates, you know, other teams like that, have made improvements. Milwaukee, you know, brought in Mustakis. They they made some deals with the uh, with the Baltimore Orioles. They've built their team up, and so the Nats didn't make any real moves to improve the team, save for the Herrera trade a few weeks ago. They've got friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle, who, by the way, is showing he's a damn good guy on social media, if I may say so myself. And Steven Strasburg are on the disabled list. I mean, are the, are the Nats really going to be a contender? Are they really going to put it together? Why the hell didn't they trade Bryce Harper? Especially, you know, there's no big, huge, giant, honking impact bat but MVP caliber bat was taken off the board with Machado. I mean, think about some of the teams that could have used this kind of an offense. You could have got two quality building blocks. Hell, you could have done something where you say, hey, we're going to get the... You could have made a deal for today. Where you deal with three, you know, three team deal where you send, you know, Harper here, you get these prospects there, JT Rio Milto and someone else comes back to the Nationals, you know, you, you lose uh, the Harper distraction. There's a lot of things that could have happened. And they held on to him. I think that's crazy. I don't think they will get, I don't think Harper is coming back to Washington. I think he's sick of Washington. I think he's going to go. I personally think he's going to Philadelphia. I think Machado is going to sign with the Cubs. And I think Bryce Harper is going to sign with the Philadelphia Phillies, who have tons of money, who are probably going to win the division this year if it's not Atlanta, and will be look like, hey, come with us, sign with us. We will be the team to win the division for the next five or six years, and you'll get a legit chance to win the World Series in a Northeastern market. That's what I think is going to happen. And with that in mind, if they could dealt them to Arizona, they could have dealt them to Cleveland, they could have dealt them to the Yankees. They got all these teams they could have sent them packing to, and they held on to them. I don't get it. 
But more than I don't get it with the Nationals come from the team who they are currently, as I'm recording this, kicking the snot out of, and that's the Mets. The Mets have done everything conceivably wrong. Mickey Callaway has been a disaster as a manager. The team has been a, a, a the team which some people thought like, hey, if everything falls together, this could be a contender, will be fighting tooth and nail with the Marlins, a team that blew up their, their rotation and their lineup. And people were saying, we're a disgrace, they're a minor league team. They'll probably finish ahead of the Mets. And even if they don't, it'll be close enough to say, hey, at least we weren't the Mets. The Mets have they don't have a great farm system and stuff like you know hand and mouth disease to Noah Syndergaard are hampering the team's chances in this season now I said when I was a guest on baseball PhD and I said it here too I thought that Jacob deGrom on the trade market would be the single biggest trade chip in all of baseball especially when you look at as I said the Cleveland Indians desperate to win a world championship. Los Angeles Dodgers, desperate to win a world championship. The National League is bunched together so comically that a player like DeGrom could, but if using wins above replacement as any sort of a metric, could be the difference between the playoffs and not playing the playoffs. The amount that you could have got back from DeGrom with the feeding frenzy that you could have. Like, well, we got an offer for this. Are you willing to top that? You could have done an absolute bidding teams against each other and done the sort of thing to kickstart the rebuilding of your farm system. What the White Sox did with Chris Sale is sometimes you got to pull the damn trigger. Ray, I hope you acknowledged that I just said damn. But they didn't. And it makes no sense. It makes no sense that they held on to him. They could have got so much for him. They could have gotten two, maybe even three legit pieces to build a future upon. And they didn't do it. It makes no sense to me. And what makes in a weird way even less sense is they didn't trade Zach Wheeler. A little wind is coming in off the bay. Maybe that's the the ghosts of Mets pass mad at the Mets. Zach Wheeler has been injured for the last 48 years. He's 106 years old. He's been a prospect for the Mets while, while the Dodgers were still in Brooklyn. I, can, I may have to look up some of these facts. The truth of the matter is the, the Mets acquired Zach Britton in 2011 from the Giants in the Carlos Beltran deal. And he was a heralded prospect in the Giants in 2011. And he's been hurt almost every year. Super talented pitcher, hurt almost every damn year. He's healthy this year. And he is a capable starting pitcher. He's no Jacob deGrom, but he's a capable starting pitcher who's currently healthy. And if you called up Milwaukee, all these teams that are, you know, that are... You know, Atlanta, Philadelphia, all these teams that are, you know, in a playoff spot or within a game or so of a playoff spot and need to fill a hole to get depth. That may put them in a situation where a starter could be put into the bullpen or gives them the depth that you need in October right now. 
When is he going to have this value again? He's inevitably going to get hurt. Do you know why? Because he's Zach Wheeler, and that's what he does best. He leads the league in hurt. And the Mets held on to him. What value is he going to have? He's no longer a spring chicken. He was a prospect during Obama's first term. Okay? Now he's a guy who you're just hoping his arm doesn't fly off of his body. And he's healthy at the trade deadline. This is not like a situation where the Tigers had with Michael Fulmer where he's injured. I mean, this is a guy who's healthy, or at least healthy enough to be traded, and the Mets are sitting on him. Now, do I think they're going to get a blue-chip prospect? They're going to get someone's best play? No, but could they get something? Could they get someone? Could it someone to put in their farm system to maybe develop? I mean, is that why you pay scouts? Hey, look at The Astros have a guy, or the Diamondbacks have a guy who... He's not a great prospect. If we, I think if we get him, we could do this with him or that with him. He, you know, put this instructor on him or this coach with him. He might be able to turn it around and become a utility player in the majors or be a, a decent middle reliever or something. Something. Nothing. Nothing. As I predicted, the Mets did everything, everything wrong. And I can't believe it. But then again, I totally can. There are so many deals popped up around, I can't even, you know, I can't process them all. And we're probably not going to be able to untangle all the spaghetti until, you know, tomorrow morning. But I wanted, as I'm standing here in this beautiful dusk of San Francisco, give my thoughts and to say, it's too early to say the winners and losers. But I will say the three teams that I look at and said, I really admire what one team did. And you know what? I give credit to Baltimore for just trading everything. Everything must go. You kind of have to do that when you're this bad. But the Pirates made a deal and said, hey, do you know what? We're going for it this year. And if it doesn't work, we'll be ready to go for it next year. That's good news for Pittsburgh fans. As for the Mets, business as usual. And as for the Nationals, do you know what? When you face Harper as a member of the Phillies next year, take a real, real long look in the mirror and say, I wonder what we could have gotten if we didn't let pride get in our way. So go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. I'm on YouTube. You can be old school, send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Love and life in maybe the most beautiful city in the world, San Francisco. This has been Sully Baseball on the trade deadline, July 31st. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.